Welcome to the Biz and Mayhem podcast, where we talk about the mayhem in our lives and how to get ahead in business and your career. This is Chris Batchelor, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. Let's get started. Well, welcome to another episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Tara Parker. How's it going tonight, Tara? I'm super good. How are you? <laughs> I'm super warmer I'm... than I was last week when we did no, this show. Joke. It is, was up Kansas, to 50 degrees. Kansas flipped the coin. We're back on the, the whole up and down roller coaster of nature. This is awesome, man. Party on, Wayne. <laughs> Party on, Wayne. Well, uh, speaking of places that's uh, that's cold, uh, I think uh, mostly cold, or is it hot? I don't remember with Mars here. Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess we should. Let's do the newsroom. Let's get into the newsroom. Right. (laughs) This is the newsroom. All right. So the first article I have here, um, of course, uh, NASA had a big success. They. they got the Mars rover thing, and uh, we launched another Mars rover, and they landed it. Um, I didn't realize this, but they landed um, – I'll bring up the article here. Uh, they landed, um, what did it say, five meters from what five they were meters. planning on landing, which is incredible. I mean, if you think of the distance between you know, Earth and Mars, and both of them are rotating mm-hmm. and moving and – all that kind of stuff, and to be able to build a piece of machinery that's going to go from you know a place on Earth all the way to another planet, you know, and then hit your mark within five meters—that's that's pretty dang incredible. Well, it's two hundred, and if you round up, I'm just going to round up two hundred and ninety-three million miles. So I'm pretty sure that Karen Johnson from NASA, back you know, with the, the the movie The Hidden Figures. Would be quite proud of this. They 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 got they're on the planet. They're close enough to the mark. I say that's a win. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely carried the decimal places out enough enough times to uh, <laughs> to hit their mark there. Uh, certainly a great accomplishment and congratulations to everybody on the team that that made that happen. From the you know that's the people stupid. that had to build the robot to the people that you know designed the flight plan to the launch crew to you know every every. I mean, there's so many people it takes to make something like that happen. It's it's really an incredible feat in itself. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, they did a great job, and and we're off exploring Mars again, and and uh, doing important work. And finally, we have something in the news that's not politics. It's you know something well, bigger mean, than us. I can turn it political. I'm just I'm just curious, asking for a friend here. Are we going to colonize this planet? And then which group are we sending to this planet? Like which side of the political scale? gets to go and live on Mars. I'm just curious because I want to know which ship I want to be on. Well, I just wonder, is it going to be like Australia? When they started Australia, they just kind of shipped all the uh, prison inmates off and, you know, <laughs> dumped them off on the, on there, you know, are we going to do that with Mars? Man, can you imagine? Can you, oh, I the you know, for the, the far left leaning liberals, can you imagine that fight about how, how sad is that? Well, then why don't you go with them? So I don't, this will, it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know this, this is like the movie Mars. This is the movie was based on Mars and it's about basically colonizing a planet by one man's um, desire for survival. I don't, you know, I don't, do we know enough information to actually garner the idea that this planet is inhabitable? Like, is that even... Well, I mean, it's inhabitable with, uh, it's habitable with a bunch of technology. (laughs) You're not just going to... That's you one know, hell of a move, sit, Chris. Two hundred ninety-three million miles. <laughs> We're talking about loading up the 
the the let's just load up the 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 pickup and haul our our junk out there across the galaxy. That's crazy though. Do you how much technology? Just the cost of the technology alone to make it work. It just it's yeah. I mean the the cost is high, but I mean basically anything that you're going to use on Mars, you have to bring with you. I mean it's not like yeah. Um, you know I, I, the uh, the movie The Martian, he was able to grow you know some potatoes and things like that, and I think. You know, there's some some capacity for that sort of stuff, but it's not like you're gonna pull up to Walmart and the family truckster and go pick up a whatever that broke, right? I mean, you know, right. if you're gonna if you're gonna go there, you're 293 million miles away from help, and you're truly on your own. And and to to your political comment, I truly hope that it's not politicized, and uh, you know, because that's not what science should be. Well, um, I mean, you say that, and science has been thrown around like a hot potato in the media, but the media is not really covering this a whole heck of a lot like they are Tiger Woods or anything else. And it's really sad because this is quite the accomplishment. I mean, it took, it, it's taken every country throughout the entire world years and years, decades upon decades to get just a piece of machinery past the atmosphere to get to the surface of Mars and actually land and travel around on it. So this is pretty significant. Um and I wish we were paying more attention to it. I, I think this is quite the, um, quite the feat. We've, this is quite the challenge that we've overcome. I'm really, I'm glad we did it. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a good reminder for people that, you know, just because whatever's on the front page of whatever major news outlet doesn't mean that that's really where you have to stop. I mean, the news about this stuff is out there. If, you know, you just got to dig a little bit for it. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and then the other point I wanted to make too is, you know, you, you talked about science being thrown around. I want to make clear, this is real science, okay? Right. It takes a Agreed. lot a lot of really, you know, well-known things to, to come into place to put a piece of machinery on another planet. Well, um, not just and, well, and there's no arguing exact, about, well, no, <laughs> about it's, does it's it work or not. Figures. This is, and it kind of plays into that whole math racism, two plus two does equal four. This is why two plus two equals four, is this kind of thing right here, where you ha your calculations have to be so spot on you have to make sure you do your math clear out to a certain decimal point so you can get you can hit your target and safely get human or machinery to your destination so this is this is extraordinary science and i wish we were uh, paying more more mind to it and giving it the credit that it deserves it's it's, it's a fascinating um accomplishment it really is yeah, it's, it's really awesome stuff. And uh, speaking of technology, the next article I have here is uh, came out of the uh, cold snap that they had down in Texas. And uh, nice. Ford uh, asked tes Texas dealers to loan F-150s with onboard generators to help power homes and businesses. So the new um, hybrid electric trucks have generators on them to charge their batteries. Um, so now you can run the engine and then, you know, use that, that electricity for your house. Um, I understand that Tesla also has some capability to sort of plug your, your car into your home, uh, you know, to use power in other ways and just for the onboard for the car. So, you know, I think this is a win, uh, for Ford marketing wise. I think this was yeah. some good PR for them. Uh, also it was a good thing to do morally, you know, this is kind of a company's coming to help and. Um, they're certainly not going to lose too much value by, by lending the trucks out for a week or two kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think this was a good thing and it just goes to show you how technology changes, um, how our response to these things may change. Cause you know, back in the day you had to have a separate generator and hook it into your house and it was kind of a big deal. And, yeah. um, now it's kind of just built into the truck and, and it's, uh, a new way to use, uh, some new technology. Yeah, I agree. This is a pretty cool story. It's, 
Um, that's kind of funny. I'm, I'm hoping that Ford takes off with this as a new uh, marketing campaign. So that's pretty impressive. Did you um, happen to see the the meme on Facebook regarding the Texas turbines where there's a helicopter that was fueled by fossil fuels was releasing a chemical of fossil fuels onto a, a turbine that was made with fossil fuels that's supposed to be creating green energy? Yeah, I did. And I mean, that, that meme's kind of old. Um, that picture that's really famous with the red helicopter uh, is from Sweden, I believe, is where I read it was from. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot more to green energy than people think about. And, and uh, primarily, uh, a lot of for a lot of people, green energy is an emotional thing, right? Because we're going to save the planet. Uh, and I, I'm not against saving the planet at all. But I think a lot of people are just unrealistic about how you know, what the real impacts of some of these technologies are, because it's not a net zero impact to the, to the earth. The, the wind turbines, you know, uh, they're not biodegradable. So, uh, when they, when they, when you have to get rid of them, then you put them in a landfill, right? Um, you know, the, the wind turbine is a big electric generator, which, you know, uses copper and oils and, uh, you know, things like that to, you know, as part of its makeup. So, you know, I think people just need to get educated about what, what this really is and what the benefits are. Um, you know, we've been putting corn in our fuel for a very long time. And I can tell you as a power plant engineer, it doesn't have very many benefits um, other than emotionally uh, making people feel good about it. So, I mean, it, it it's rough on the fuel systems. It tears up seals. It lowers the efficiency of the fuel. You get less gallons per mile. Um, you know, and it takes a lot of energy to get the corn into that state to where you can put it in the gasoline. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's an emotional thing. A lot of this green energy is, is emotionally based or is a subsidy based. So there's now there's a financial incentive for a government, um, you know, to do these sorts of things. And so, um, you know, I think people just need to get a little bit more smart on the technology and, and really take responsibility for figuring out what's sort of behind the curtains here. Uh, on mm -hmm. some of this stuff. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But good, so, good for Ford. <laughs> good for Ford. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, good on them. They've, they've done stuff like this before. They're fairly progressive when it comes to, you know, thinking out of the box for a PR opportunity and, uh, and, and good on them. I think, I think more companies should do stuff like this. Yeah, I do too. Or at least make it known that they can. I think that's yeah, part of the yeah, deal exactly. too. Is if there is there is knowledge out there that Ford could do this and would be willing to, um, and what a way to really um, bring attention to the the carbon footprint impact you have with your company, especially such a a large one like Ford. So that's pretty awesome. I'm glad they did that. Not surprising. Not surprising yeah, at that, all. That's, it's pretty awesome. So let me ask you this. Um, What's the most amount of cash that you've ever lost? You ever, you know, like lose a $20 <laughs> bill and, you know, just falls out of your pocket and then you get pissed because you can't find it? I think I've probably, and this is going to sound crazy, but some of you parents out there will understand this. Um, I've actually, I'm pretty sure I lost a $100 bill. It's one of those times when you try to retire a wallet or something and you're a purse or something and you, you're like, I have this $100. I'm just going to stick this in this hiding place. It's, you save it for a rainy day and then... You're like, man, what, where, where did I hide that at? What, so I'm pretty sure it's a hundred dollars, but yeah, I've dropped other denominations around and, and had small panic attacks about it later on. And why do you ask, sir? Have you, do you well, know somebody who has? I, I, I do know somebody. It's not a somebody. It's a, some state. It's, <laughs> it's a, an entity. It's, a, it's an some, entity. It's some state. It's, uh, but uh, yeah. So the news here uh, came out today. An audit showed that Kansas, our, our lovely state, um, 
has lost $600 million in uh, unemployment benefit fraudulent claims. And so the governor uh, official number is about half of that. Uh, but uh, the audit come out came out and said six hundred million. So there's a discrepancy there. So who knows who's right or wrong? But you know these are uh, you know unemployment claims that have come in that the state has paid, um, and you know they were they were either to people that didn't exist or they were for people that existed, but no, the money didn't go to the people that you know that the name was. It was you know somebody used somebody else's name, and there's all sorts of elaborate schemes and how to get the money from the state. Um, but I've kind of mixed feelings on this. I mean, part of this is I think the state's responsibility. And the other part is, um, you know, had they been, you know, really, uh, you know, uh, clamped down on this in the beginning, then I think a lot of people wouldn't have gotten their checks in a timely manner. So it's kind of a catch 22 situation. Yeah, this I've, I know several people who are posting on Facebook that they are victims of this unemployment fraud. Um, they're trying to figure out how they're somebody how they are they're getting responses from Kansas government saying, "Hey, we can get you paid." They're like, "But I didn't contact you. What's happening?" And so you gotta kind of wonder just how far this has gone. And it's sad that this is going on. It really is. Um, I just it. How do you lose six hundred million dollars? Like, how do you not verify this stuff? I, there's gotta be something. Some something. There's some other details here that we gotta be missing. I'm not a expert in this matter by any means, but this is, uh, and we're Kansas, so this impacts us. This is going to, this is going to trickle down somewhere somehow if it hasn't already, but man, really 600 million. Oh, get your ducks in a row. Come on, figure it out. Yeah. I mean, 600 mils are a lot of cash. I mean, (laughs) I guess, I guess I would have been not surprised if it was, oh, you know, Kansas lost 10 or 50 million, you know, yeah. this is $600 million. I mean, that is a <laughs> lot of freaking money. 600 million. Yeah, it's, well, and, you know, at some point you got to kind of wonder, because um, I know with the, with the company that I work with during our furloughs, they were, they made it clear, we'll file your first initial for you. Don't worry about it. When they contact you, then you can take it from there. Um, and so there, you know, there was something in the process, there's something in the works to try and circumvent this particular outcome. And, and clearly that didn't work out very well. So maybe this isn't something that was a result of the pandemic as much as there was some funny business going on prior to, and the pandemic was perfect timing for that. And here's the result. Somebody $6 million in the hole, namely state of Kansas. Good job, buddy. Yeah, we we are six hundred million dollars in the hole because we pay state income tax. So right, uh, uh, yeah. be very clear on that. You know, each I mean, there isn't even six hundred million people in Kansas. So I mean, no. I don't know <laughs> how much per person that is, but um, you know, it's it's a lot of money for for a state like Kansas, and you know, it's yeah. uh, uh, enormous amount of money. But and I think part of the issue was that the system that did the unemployment claims was extremely old. It hadn't been upgraded. 46 in years old. 46 years. Yeah. So it hadn't 46. been upgraded. Man, that's so older I, than us, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I, I think whatever a new system costs for unemployment is, well, you know, the return on investment can be easily proven now at this point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just wonder, you know, where'd this money go? Are we going to enforce this? Are people going to jail? My guess is probably not. They're probably overseas. Uh, and the money is probably long gone and, and it's probably going to cost more money to get it back. So they, they just won't chase after it. But uh, I hope they do. Yeah, I, they, they, there needs to be some sort of plan of action to try and regain this loss. This is 
I, I don't know what the Kansas budget is, but I'm pretty sure that that part of the budget's a pretty intensive hit. Yeah. So good job. That's that's oh, that's awesome. That's so. How's Florida doing? As the weather's nice, I hear, and the 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 state's free and is not in a major massive financial hole. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, as far as I know, Florida's doing fine. They they've eased a lot of their restrictions and mostly business oh, is normal. I was and... being totally rhetorical. It's, I'm just Kansas is disappointing at this point. Well, you know, at least Florida has beaches. I mean, you know, we we don't really have many beaches that are. I mean, we have mud holes. Well, you're making it easy for me just to pack up and go. I mean, I can do this show from there. <laughs> That's right. We have the magic of Zoom. So as long as you have an internet connection, then you are ready to rock and roll. Stable internet connection. Stable. Speaking of stable, what do you consider to be stable training, Chris? Good training. <laughs> yeah. So the next article we have up here is uh, from, well, Under Armour and Coca-Cola are in the news because they recently um, had programs uh, for their employees on the uh, uh, being, I guess, anti-white or what? what's the best way to explain this? I don't think we're the race that should be trying to define that explanation, to be honest with you. I think that just adds to the the whole plot of this narrative here. Uh, but overall, less white, less feeling, less white, less carbs, less white. I don't know. This is who comes up with this? Well, I, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, do, you, do you need a minute? Yeah. <laughs> This, I mean, this kind of thing just blows my mind away. Why are we so focused on this? Why are we making this a big deal? Why not just do your best? And I, I feel like we're regressing. You know, I feel like we are literally going backwards in this whole thing with between Coca-Cola having a slideshow. And I don't know if, if in the show notes, you'll see this is a YouTube um, video of a guy who's showing the slideshow that was posted all over the internet of this less white training that Coca-Cola was giving to their, um, their employees. And it was training that it was training material that was created off of um, uh, D'Angelo. I can't remember her first name right away, but she wrote the book, the, um, White Fragility, which became a huge ordeal. And it's really what's kind of um, either leading or supporting the critical race theory and all of the, um, the, uh, black oppression and, and white superiority arguments that are taking place out there. And so yeah. if you, if you go and look at those slides, Chris, they're infuriating. And they, I, as I looked at them prior, prior to the show, I wanted to cry just out of sheer disappointment and defeat. Like, really, this is what we've come to. Like, I don't know. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. If you, if you have a chance, go check out the video in the show notes because, uh, it is, uh, it's a, it is a video by an African-American man, by the way. So it's not like, yeah. uh, it's a white person that's right. explaining yeah, this and theories about it. That's the disclaimer. Uh, you know, but this African-American gentleman, he goes through and he, he shows pictures of these slides that somebody took while they were in this training. And, uh, and, and I, I gotta say, it's very divisive. It is not, it's not, not something that you would go to and be like, oh, well, we all need to be, you know, treated equally now. I think this is, this is, you know, going to infuriate people and make them feel more divisive that rather than more inclusive. And, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised 
uh, if some of these companies start getting sued by people that are required mm-hmm. to do these trainings, because um, I think you would have a fairly good case of saying that these trainings are discriminatory. If you are told to go to training based on the color of your skin, that is discrimination. And mm-hmm. I do believe that they would have a very good case in court. Um, and I also think that you would have somewhat of a case for slander and libel, uh, because, uh, you know, having to go through that training, people are going to see your names on rosters and things like that. And, uh, and so, I mean, unless you had to go to that training because of an incident, uh, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you would have a really good case. And of course I'm not a lawyer, but, uh, I would start to think that these companies are going to be legally challenged, uh, by their employees uh, at some point. And it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, where the, uh, where the things shake out. Well, I think, you know, I, I agree with you, Chris, and I think the the caveat to that is if you have a white person pressing the issue, it's going to look and be spun as a racist issue in the media, of course, because that will make national news. So I think it's going to be something that's going to take a national, um, what do they call those cases where there's a bunch of people against um, uh, a class action, class suit. action. Yes, it's going to take a class action suit of a diverse group of people to say this is wrong. And and then if you go look at those slides, some of the things that those slides offer in the Coca-Cola training slides, it's telling people to be less certain, less defensive, less arrogant, less oppressive, and then to to believe and be humble. And it's like, wait a second, that's... How do you you tell somebody that? They literally use the term, be less white. I mean, right. it was written out in black and white. <laughs> be so less white. I mean, that would be like me going to you, Tara, and saying, you need to be less female. I, I mean, you, <laughs> this is ridiculousness. It, it's out It's out of this world. I am, I, I'm, I, I don't know why there's not an uproar for this, except for that D'Angelo gal was right. Fragility, where we all feel bad. No, we don't. I don't feel bad about anybody's color of skin or where their heritage is. I don't feel bad how we got to where we came today because that is where would we all be without our past, without our, our ancestors making the decisions that we did. I don't know that most of my people, most of my heritage is Irish and they were poor Irish immigrants who came here for a better life because they couldn't hack it in Ireland. You can't live off potatoes alone, clearly. And so my, my family came here years and years and years ago, centuries ago. And had they not done that, I could still be fighting poverty in Ireland. I have no way of knowing. And so I don't think, where do we get off trying to say the past is today and we need to live by the past? And it's like, it doesn't work. It's why are we, the more we focus on this, the more divisive we become. My thing here is, okay, you know, for this kind of thing, the litmus test for me is, can you switch the narrative and have it make sense, right? So in this case, I, I think this gal is just cashing in on, you know, she wrote a book, she cashed in on this, on, you know, on this kind of trendy topic and, um, you know, not that it's a bad one. I mean, I think racism is terrible and it needs to be addressed when it, when it exists, but it, it you know, I think this is a thing where somebody's really just cashing in and getting these companies to sign on because, you know, it's the thing that's kind of trendy in the HR departments right now. And it's, I think it's doing a lot of harm. I really think it's doing a lot of harm and it doesn't pass the litmus test. If you flip the narrative to something else, I mean, how would people feel if we had to go to training 
to be less men or less women or, you know, less, you know, German American or, or whatever it is. I mean, no matter how you flip this script, it doesn't make any sense. And I think we lost Tara, but, uh, yeah, so that was a, uh, that was definitely uh, an interesting article there. So we're going to pause for a second here while I try and get Tara back. Probably her uh, internet's not doing so hot. And Tara's back. Are you there? OMG. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to need a minute. Holy crow. I need to write a letter to my lovely provider. That is what I need to do. Where are we at in the show? What did I miss? Did I miss anything good? I miss everything. Uh, well, I covered the uh, the FCC commissioner, so we can go back to that if you want to. Uh, yeah. So what? the uh, the FCC commissioner, I'll bring it up here again. Uh, she Sorry. blasted the uh, uh, you know Democrats because they asked uh, the na- the cable providers to drop uh, right wing uh, news agencies. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is this is a fun one. Yeah, that's that's any soapbox. Anybody? Anybody? Um, well, I, I yeah, knew of anybody a, you would get on the soapbox about this. <laughs> well, I'm, I've I've switched over to Fox News um, within the last six months because I, I I I like hearing from both sides, and I feel like Fox does a better job—not a perfect job, but a, an improved version of what the other um, news media outlets are doing out there. And they have reported on this more than once that certain shows, if not the entire. Um, cable um channel is trying to be canceled they're trying to pull cancel culture on um fox news and so um and it's like what is the problem with that what is the problem i i i don't understand what where the the harm is in having more than one perspective um it, it, but everything that keeps going on to back to this cancel culture and this um, lack of freedom of speech is it takes me back to a golden girls um the golden girls show the series and if anybody is a golden girls fanatic or a, yeah, obsessive like i am there's a, a specific um episode where dorothy's talking to her russian cousin who's like they're in a bookstore and the russian cousin's like there's way too many books in here what is happening and dorothy says well that's it's freedom you can have all the insight and intellect and you have exposure to everything and being from a um a communist nation that you know the, the russian gal's like no 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 we, that's too much pressure the government tells you what to do there's no need for thinking outside the box it's a lot less pressure it's easier stress it sucks but it's life you just go on and and, and that's kind of what's like what's happening here is you're being given one opinion and that's the only opinion you can have but what's wrong with all the others unless they don't feed your narrative or unless there's something right about the others and you're hiding you you need to hide the other opinions that could possibly be right. So this, well, I, I mean, to me, this just shows this just shows the the party, the tolerant party. Uh, they keep calling themselves the tolerant party or the least tolerant party. Uh, and and in my mind, it just goes back to people with personality disorders. I mean, I think there's just a whole bunch of people out there right now that are in politics that are personality disordered because they they exact they they act exactly like people with a personality disorder. They would say. Um, oh, well, something that they do, they just project it on to whoever their enemy is. And yeah. then, you know, that's what that enemy does. But even if that enemy doesn't <laughs> do, do whatever it is they say, it's maddening, you know. And uh, yeah, it is. I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm glad that we have somebody sticking up for us. And, and I would be saying the same thing if it was the Republicans trying to get mm-hmm. the Democrats kicked off. I mean, we need to have media outlets that are fair and impartial and tell both sides of the story. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you want to be a political hack, 
you know, whatever, you know, news outlet, that's fine, but at least label yourself that way. Um, you know, and, 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 but don't take advantage of being a journalist because at that point you're no longer a journalist, you're an opinionist. When there is a difference between a journalist and a, and maybe the term journalist is wrong, a news reporter and opinionist and journalist, there's, I, I think the um, titles are getting very, very loose. There's a lot of, um, shall we say, um, free license with some of the things that are being reported on. A lot of, a lot of colorful things. There's a lot of great writers out there. Great imaginations. Perfect. Yeah, great Beautiful. imaginations. Uh, so the next article I have here is, uh, I covered it a little bit, but uh, I'll go over it again. Uh, so the next article I have here is the uh, Boy Scouts a while back opened up their ranks to the girls. Uh, and so the first um, kind of class of girls uh, that have gone through are now attaining Eagle Scout. Uh, and so I think that's really awesome. And uh, as an Eagle Scout myself, I'm really proud to see, uh, you know, that we're we're getting this uh, through and uh, or that these girls have worked really hard and they, they've earned these ranks. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I'm curious. I'm you know, happy to see more of this. Um, cause you know, right now the way that the boy Scouts are doing it is, uh, you know, girl wants to join a troop. They form kind of a separate troop of just girls. So the boys and girls are somewhat segregated during all this. Okay. So there's, you know, not a so lot. So that's, of... that was my question is I know there's, um, daisies, little Daisy, whatever the female version of the organization is that I, I couldn't get into it, but I always admired the Boy Scouts because they do teach a lot of life skills and a lot of um, common sense thinking, if you want to call it that. And so I was curious as to how do they incorporate the girls? Because I know there's a lot of arguments about girls joining the Boy Scouts. And I thought, well, there's something very special about that boyhood, that 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 bond that you make with other dudes, other guys, where, you know, you, you it's kind of like the locker room for, you know, the non-jocks type of thing, right? Like this is, this is their structure, this is their thing, this is how they thrive together. And I was always curious as to how do girls fit into that particular um, organization? So they, they have a separate grouping for girls primarily and then join the forces together? Yeah, so um, the way that it works right now is, uh, you know, Girls will join a, uh, so of course the Boy Scouts are arranged in troops, right? And the troop yeah. can be, you know, five or 10 boys or girls now, uh, you know, up to, you know, probably a hundred would be the max, I would think. But, you know, there could be some very large troops out there, um, you know, but most troops have, you know, 20, 30, 50 people in it. And there's varying degrees of participation. Some people are more active than others. Um, but, uh, basically right now the, the girls would join, you know, their own kind of troops. So they'd, they'd be in a, um, a, you know, a non mixed environment. Um, yeah. the girl, the girl troop and the boy troop would, would, you know, have activities together, but it's not like they're sleeping in tents together or anything like that. <laughs> that's the concern, right? Is definitely how, do you, separated. How, do you, how do you maintain those boundaries with respect while still giving everybody the same opportunity? Cause I think that's really important for folks to know and understand that who have no exposure to Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or Daisies or whatever they're called. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of the activities are designed, um, you know, they were already designed to sort of accommodate, um, you know, different groups of people coming together and doing things. And so um, it's not a big deal. I really, I, I really haven't heard of anything that's like, you know, that had to majorly change to allow girls to participate in the Boy Scouts. And I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, the, the girls do have their own, you know, the, the, you know, have their own parents and leaders and things like that. 
Um, you know, and so, uh, but, but there's lots of great skills to learn and the skills don't have to be exclusive to boys. And, and there's skills that, you know, there's merit badges that are, you know, there's like, you know, sewing merit badge, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> there's crafts and things like that. So, um, you know, not, not exclusively gender based and, um, you know, there's a lot of good life skills that you can learn. Um, and the way the program is designed is you have some core things that everybody does going up through the ranks. Uh, and then also there's merit badges and those are kind of electives, right? And so you can choose, uh, there's certain merit badges you have to get to get to Eagle Scout. There's some required ones, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, elective ones. So you can really, you know, try out the things that you want to try out. And one of the things that I like about that sort of program is that, you know, as you go through the ranks of Boy Scouts uh, and try out the different merit badges, you get kind of get to see different things in life that you like and don't like doing. Um, so when you grow up and become an adult, you kind of already have some experience in a lot of different areas and you can decide where you want to focus on for a career. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great, I, none of my kids got any interest in it, but I've heard really good things about it. And those that I've seen that have gone, gone up the ranks, such as yourself, Chris, seem to be really uh, reasonable thinkers and, and have a lot of great understanding for how to handle life, good coping skills. So it's, um, I, if, if this is a good thing, because I've always wondered if this really was a good thing. I'm given some of the arguments I've seen. I'm happy to hear this 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 optimistic angle of it because you don't get to see that out there in mainstream media. So I'm glad you've got the experience to share with us. That is awesome. Well, I I, I do remember when they first uh, announced that they were going to let girls in the Boy Scouts. Man, the Girl Scouts we they were pissed. <laughs> the Girl Scouts were pissed, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean it's you know of course. Uh, they're worried about, you know, taking revenues away and, and you know, having smaller amounts of, of girls joining the Girl Scout ranks. But in reality, the programs, uh, there are some similarities and there are some differences. And, um, you know, primarily the Boy Scouts tend to be a little more outdoorsy, focus a little bit more on camping and outdoor adventures and things like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that's resonated for, for some folks. Um, but, you know, the big thing is with the, you know, the feedback that parents were giving to the organization that I heard was, um, you know, if you have a, a boy and a girl and, you know, you're doing sports and then you're trying to go to two different troop meetings and things like that, um, you know, it was like parents are just trying to simplify and they wanted to pick one organization, you know. Uh, and so that that's really, I think, was the catalyst for this was to try and simplify life for the parents a little bit. Um, you know, and also offer the same opportunities to the girls that the boys had, uh, because uh, I think there are a lot more Boy Scout troops than Girl Scout troops. And I, I don't know if there are or not, but my, that would be my hunch. Um, but uh, I, I mean, right. you know, at the end of the day, it's really just good for them to, you know, for kids, either girls or boys to be in some sort of an organization like that. Uh, because it does allow them to try out life skills. It does allow them to do things that they, you know, normally wouldn't be motivated to do or even think about doing, right? Um, right and it does yeah. give you opportunities to do things that you wouldn't get to do, you know, unless you were part of that group. So um, so I think it's any way we can encourage our kids to to be active and learn things and, and all that is, is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It's a great structure for kids. And since we are... Um, and maybe at some point it'll just be the scouts, but um, uh, we'll have to see what happens. Um, but while we're on the subject of children, I think your yeah, next so article let's go to a much, of... much gloomier topic of children, <laughs> children in cages. Now we've had the bright sun shining days. We... Let's darken the clouds and let a little tornado come through and destruct. Yes, we're, um, we're no longer talking about up. we're no longer talking about children that have freedom and can go explore and do things. <laughs> 
We're talking about oh, children God. in cages. Oh wait, children wait, 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 wait! No, no, it's no, not... no, no, no! They're influxes. It's an influx institute or influx situations or something influx. They're influx. They're no longer caged. Yes. No, They're no. not in cages. They're in migrant facility for children. For children, yes. That's I'm going to bring this article term, up here. The other term is influx something. I can't, I need somebody, Jason DeArmond, if you're out there, you need to tell us what that term is. It's influx something. Uh, uh, what's her name? Seiki has used it several times. But yes, this, I thought this was a no-go during the Trump administration. No. Well, I mean, this is this is something that just burns my chaps, right? Because <laughs> here we, this I'm gonna stuff get off my all, soapbox and give you some room. Okay, move over because <laughs> these things were started during Obama years while Obama was in in office, and then Trump gets into office, and all of a sudden they're the worst things in the world. And, and really, you know, I'm not advocating for them, but nobody else has a better solution at this point. So what the hell, people? You know, I mean. <laughs> But what's driving me nuts about this is during the Trump administration, you have liberal reporters that are trying to be political and they're calling these, you know, detention facilities, kids in cages. They're using really emotional words, concentration, and camps. concentration camps, and then Biden's in office and all of a sudden the terminology has changed. And let's get this straight. The freaking things are exactly the same. Okay. They're the same fences. They're the same buildings. They're the same everything. The only thing that's changed is what the media is calling it. And that is not media people that, that those are not the people that should have the voice in our society. That's manipulation. Let's be clear. And eventually it turns into gaslighting. Then this is what this is doing now. Um, and if, have you seen some of those reports? I don't know if it's Seiki or somebody from Biden's administration saying, we're not using the cages. We're using box cars. I'm like, Oh, so you went from a cage to a box. Let me get, so this is, we've somehow going from a cage you can see through is somehow there's some sort of vast improvement from going to that to a box. So I'm not sure. Now I've not seen it personally. So I have a, I want to try and throw out that little gem of hope, like a little, just throw that little quarter in the pond and wish that maybe this is, but man, dang it. I would, oh, and he said he wouldn't do this. This Biden was very clear. He would not do this. And he's even got OA, AOC, OAC, what's her face, MIP, whatever her name is. He's got her all up in arms over this ordeal because this is her big passion and her big push um, to get into politics. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the, the bottom line here is the root cause of this is our immigration system is broken for one. Oh, yeah. And two, there's been a lot of crap that goes on in South America and Mexico that needs to get fixed. And these people wouldn't want to be coming in the United States if everything was fine back home. Right. right. So and I'm not yeah. saying we should keep them out. I think, I think that they, that there's people who legitimately want to be here. Um, now I think the conversation needs to be around, you know, how do we make sure that we keep people out that, that are going to do harm in our country? Because just letting everybody in does in the middle of a pandemic doesn't sound like a fantastic idea either, but no. you know, it shouldn't well, take there's, it. There's talks that some of these people who are crossing the border that appear to be okay are actually drug cartel related. Like there's, there's literal felons, underage felons crossing the line that the, that the cartel is, is exploiting. So it's, it's, there's clearly, as you said, there's clearly some sort of gap in the process and we've got to get that fixed. We can't just let everybody walk across the border freely. Um, there's there's got to be a process. And I think the process that's in place is jacked up. But to my understanding, Trump had a very nice process that he created with the actual countries 
that these people are coming from where they could seek asylum in their own country to be able to get here safe and sound without having to go to these cage-like restraining room spaces, whatever they are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we certainly have to fix this immigration issue, and and you know the the time and the cost that it takes to become a legal U.S. citizen is ridiculous, and and we need to fix that, and and it's become an industry, you know, uh, much like other legal industries that that, that I am passionate about, um, <laughs> but uh, we we certainly need to fix this, and we need to do it pretty quickly. But um, I, I don't think that I mean, but the the whole point of bringing this article up was that. Um, you know, basically, you know, everything that the media was really pissed about before is really just because they were pissed at Trump, <laughs> not, not because mm-hmm. of the actual issue. And, and it's really politicized and, and, uh, you know, I take the microphone away from these people get, you know, there's gotta be some people out there that are willing to write news articles and do reporting and journalism, uh, other than, you know, the, the, these political hacks that are out there. Yeah. But you know, as well as I do, Chris, that, for lack of a better way to put sex sells and this kind of stuff is sexy to the public it's it's water cooler gossip and people want to feel better about themselves by hearing about things that they can pretend to be social justice warriors for sadly so it's yeah but but don't you think that that's going to wear out at some point i mean i'm already kind of tired of it i thought it would have by now i mean you know at at what point are people just going to stop start tuning out um you know, of this whole thing. And, and then basically, you know, then, then it doesn't work anymore. You're going to need something else. No, I, well, you would think so, but I, you would think that when Biden approached this office, knowing what he did about the Obama administration, because he was the VP during those eight years and then criticizing Trump for his four years, you would think he would have had a solid plan in place to change the process. But instead, all he did was change the holding pattern and it's really not that much of a change. They just changed the name of the holding pattern. And so it's that this is why I'm, I'm getting more disappointed in Biden is that these things that I'm going to change this, I'm going to change, you're going to change what? The name of it? You're just going to relabel it something else so it doesn't sound nearly as sad and sappy? Uh, oh, this, this is sad because it shouldn't be this way. I don't know. I know it takes years to become um, a U.S. citizen. I don't know that it should take years. I really don't think. I think that's too long of a process. I'm not familiar with it, but... Um, I think we're definitely missing the mark here and we're making things way more difficult than we need to. And life is becoming miserable for millions at this point. Yeah. It's, it's not good all the way around. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I've got really mixed feelings about this because part of me is, is, you know, very much, well, you know, we have a system and people should follow the system. And if they decide not to follow the system, then, then you're tough luck. Right. I mean, but, but then again, you also have people that, are coming from really tough circumstances or they're trying to, you know, get away from these drug cartels and things like that. And so, I mean, I think if the same thing was going on here, then, then I would hope that some other country would take us in, um, you know, but, uh, I I think, I think there's gotta be a mixed response here. I think we've, we've got to help these countries that have these issues, get a hold of them so that their countries are habitable, uh, and that people want to stay there. Uh, and then yeah, I, but when you get countries like Venezuela that are um, primarily socialist countries, they don't want any part of democracy. And that's part of the problem. That's why their economy isn't doing so well. How do we get, how do you influence those kinds of, um, those kinds of powers? People, we get one person in power and they become so power hungry that they, they don't want to give it up. They, they, they're like back to your um, point of borderline issues, borderline personality issues, um, personality um, 
disorders. How do you, do you take those people out? What do you, it's, it's such a, it's such a mess. It is such a mess. I, well, I mean, I, we, we got plenty of socialists in this country or people that claim <laughs> to be socialists. Why don't we just ship them all down to Venezuela? I mean, why don't we do a one for one, you know, swig? I mean, Ooh, Hey, we'll, we'll yes. ship you 5,000 socialists and they can go live in Venezuela and you can nice. ship us, you know, 5,000 people from Venezuela and they can come take their place. Why not? That's our next marketing video. We are going to make a marketing video on that concept right there. And I, we need everybody to pass the word around and tell us the names of all the socialists they know, because I bet we're going to get a hell of a deal out of this sucker. Like, we'll just swap citizen for citizen. This country is going to be great before we know it. It'll be awesome. Let's do that. I like we, that. We can Done. call that we can call that democratic social redistribution. <laughs> <laughs> that's we need to you need to hashtag that very freaking quickly because that is awesome I love and, and there's it. gonna be nothing democratic about it because we're not gonna vote on it we're just gonna <laughs> ship them down there <laughs> if we vote we're gonna allow for mail-in votes and then we'll do our own little thing later on it'll be great well it'll yeah be, and then this, eight billion this awesome votes program. came in at 3 a.m in the morning right <laughs> It's like the, the the high school exchange program, except it's for adults. I really like this concept. I think we can make a difference. I think we can really open some eyes up. And you never know. We may find that we like our what we get in return much better than what we gave. So I, I think we'll win. Win-win situation for sure. Yeah, well, it might be something we're trying out. Well, um, so <laughs> to follow up this awful WASHPO article, we have another article here. Uh, and so the Democrats have introduced a bill to ban Trump from Arlington National what? Cemetery. Uh, and they want to block funds so that his name can't be built. So like, you know, normally a president gets a, uh, you know, he gets a library, a presidential library where they keep mementos from his thing. And so they're trying to block the funds Whoa. to build that. So, I mean, this is really just shows you how demented some of these Democrats are. They're just stuck on Trump. They can't move on. What? So Am I hearing, I mean, I haven't read this article. This is literally the first time I've heard any information about this, but not only banning him from Arlington National Cemetery, who I don't think anybody's banned from going to, but block the federal funds to prevent him from having the rights of being a president, the, 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 the library, the protection, this, the, oh my gosh, what in the... Yeah, this I mean, they're, like, they're, they're uh, literally saying that they don't want Trump buried in the Arlington National Cemetery. Like the the same That's... privilege that all the other presidents get, uh, and so. Oh, my constitutionalists out there, please chime in. I, somebody needs to get a hold of Bo, and I'm surprised that he doesn't know about this because this would light his fire big time. The, I mean, this is such control. That is unbelievable. Like th this looks like one of those divorce cases where. One spouse is so irately ticked off with the other spouse, they just can't let go of anything. And so they try to demolish every aspect of their life. And it just... Yeah, I mean, this wow. is all just emotions, right? I mean, this is Democrats playing off their emotions. And I don't think it's going to work out well for them. I think the American people are going to get tired of hearing about how the Democrats want to screw over Trump. And, and I, I, I have a feeling at the midterm elections, they're going to be a little disappointed with the outcome. You know, mm -hmm. that is if we have fair elections that don't have eight billion votes that come in at three in the morning. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, people are starting to catch on to this and people are getting a little tired of it. Well, yeah, I agree. And they should. That They absolutely should. That just dumbfounds me to no end. I cannot. I don't want to believe that. I mean, 
he's again i've said it before trump's not my most favorite human being in the world i don't know him i just know what i've seen on the the media he's not exactly the person i'd put to take a jumper off the building the right way you know just he's not your best motivational speaker but he did a great job as president in my opinion i don't know how well, anybody but, did but not do well th- by him it's the same thing though put reverse the narrative right do the litmus test the litmus test is if the Republicans had done this for Obama, people would be losing oh, their shit right now. Yeah. You know, if you flip the narrative, okay, Jimmy Carter, um, you know, okay, let's do Bill Clinton. Well, Bill Clinton shouldn't be in Arlington because he got impeached for doing sexual things in the Oval Office, which, you know, he shouldn't have been doing, right? But, you know, would people get behind that? Probably not. Should they? Probably not. But, right. you know, again, this doesn't this doesn't pass a litmus test for me, and they need to just move on and be done with it. I've got another article here um, that's de Blasio uh, <laughs> wanted to shut down an ice rink that, that Trump owned, uh, yeah. and I'll show the article here. Um, and New Yorkers were pissed. <laughs> they liked the ice yeah. rink. The, the ice rink does a lot of good. There's a kid programs and things like that. And so shutting this ice rink down would just remove those opportunities for the community. And, uh, and so they, I guess now they've reversed their decision on this. So, uh, I mean, they, pe- these people just need to move on from Trump and I don't know if they need to go see therapists or whatever, but they need to quit wasting the American taxpayers money on trying to screw Trump over and move on. And Hey, here's an idea. Maybe you could fix the immigration, you know, laws that we have, like do something useful for a change for, well, yeah. Good luck on that one. Just hey, Oh my gosh. Let it go. There's a song. Let it, look it up. It's great folks. Let it go. Let it go. But apparently the, Oh, I just, Wow. Wow! So, how so? And uh, oh. kind of getting to kind of getting to the end of our political news here. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Ron DeSantis? I, I should know the name. I know I do. Um, let, let me click on the link and figure. So out he's uh, he's the governor of Florida. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's been yes, getting a this, lot of negative press. He's awesome. He did an outstanding job. He's getting a lot of negative press because he don't care about the narrative. <laughs> that is that is how he is. Um, I, I've seen him on Fox News a few times. He's easy to listen to. I don't agree with everything that he says. So, um, but I think he did a good job in Florida. And then Florida's getting no, um, they're not getting a lot of um, coverage throughout all of the broadcasting stations, all of the news media outlets, because this guy did the right thing. He gave Floridians the opportunity. You make your decision. I'm not closing us down. I'm not going to shut us down. I'm not going to require anything. You do what's best for you. And we're just going to see what happens. Well, what happened was people from New York and other places that were locked down, like prisons, hauled it down to Florida. And I think Florida has let fewer, has less taxes or no taxes. There's a just a whole business break there. But um, I think he did a, a good job with with what he's done with this state. Now I know with the the vaccine, um, I'm torn on the vaccine. I know some states are further ahead than others, and um, I don't know. I, I, I'll, this this guy seems to have his wits about himself. He seems to have good plans together. Um, so I don't know how he's doing with the vaccine stuff, but I know he's probably a force to be reckoned with going forward. Like this is, this, we're in Trump nation at this point is what I feel like. Yeah. I mean, the article basically, you know, says that this could be, you know, the 2024 front runner for the Republicans. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see see where it goes. And uh, I mean, he seems like he's done a good job, but the the way the media is treating him is they're they're definitely they're he's definitely in the Trump crosshairs right yes. now, as far as the media is concerned. Well, I think he and Trump are good friends, and that kind of adds to the angst of the uh, rest of the political party that are not Trumpians. And so, um, yeah, and I guess I think this guy's got it. I really do. Well, people are saying he's more, uh, you know, presidential than Trump was as far as speeches and things like that. So, <laughs> well, Trump can give really good speeches when he's when Trump is scripted. He's great. When he's not scripted. Lots of reasons to to drink and turn off the TV. I was not a big fan of his unscripted speech. His 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 uh, he's very uncouth. He's very raw. At the same time, though, people, he is genuine. He is who he is. And in a in during the generation of be who you are, be who as you identify with, to see somebody so put down for being exactly who he is, it's like, eh, but you kind of asked for this. Like this is what you wanted, and he's doing just that. Um, live with it. That's 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 the guy in a nutshell. Yep. Um, so well, we're kind of running short on time here, so we're going to we cruise are. on. Uh, but because uh, we still have a lot to cover here, uh, Tiger Woods was in a crash and uh, he's okay. And I just read that uh, before the show started, they're not going to press any charges or anything. I guess right. it truly was just an accident. Doesn't appear that there was alcohol involved or anything like that. But uh, for a while there, that's all that was on the front news of all the media places was uh, Tiger right. Woods gets in a car crash. So everybody's really concerned about Tiger. Uh, and then uh, next article I have here is uh, Gina Carino. I hope I'm saying her name right. Uh, she was the gal from Mandalorian that got fired for her offensive tweets. Uh, but her co-star did not get a fired for his offensive tweets. Um, and she's basically saying, you know, at Disney, everybody's just kind of afraid for their job. So, um, you know, I, I guess that's really sad, uh, yeah, but not double standards, not to be unexpected. And you would think for a company, uh, like, uh, Oh, that's not there anymore. Bad link. Uh, <laughs> but you would think for, uh, you know, a company like Disney, they'd be really, uh, you know, they'd be really concerned about something like that, but, uh, you know, you never know. So, right. Um, well, Let's let's jump down a few here. Let's. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff here, and I know, but there's one I really want to cover before we move on to anything else, and that is the Oakley Union School District board members resign. The California, the two, the two links regarding that school board that got into a lot of viral trouble for their mouths running, very, their mouths ran on a hot mic. Did you see that? Yeah, I'll bring this up here. Um, so apparently there was a Zoom meeting for the board, and they yes. didn't realize it was public. And <laughs> uh, a lot of people got in a lot of trouble because they were saying not nice things about parents and actually making some threats uh, if parents, you know, spoke out to them. And it's just a bad deal all around. It is, but they all stepped down. The entire board stepped down, which is what they needed to do. Uh, that's not what you put a board in place for, is to be to be of mockery behavior or I, I i saw some of the videos that they, they leaked out and it's like whoa i'm i can see somebody saying that at a party amongst friends but some stuff they said is not professional at all and then not to realize they're on a hot mic um it just goes to show you gotta be aware of the world around you but to say that parents are upset about their kids not being back in school because they're they want their babysitters back it's like is that how you see your teachers that's how you see your own educators is as babysitters. What does that say about your school district? You know, what are you, what's wrong there 
that you are outing this whole situation as, you know, the, the teachers are babysitters for the parents. And that's not what they are. They're, there are trained professionals to teach, to help children understand new concepts and ideas. And so um, to have, I, I am curious as to what the professions of these board members are that they don't seem to get that or what's been going on in the school district that they would see, they would have the perspectives that they have or make the gross threats that they did. I, I, I'm glad they were caught though. And I'm glad that they're all resigning and hopefully they can get a much more effective and open-minded board up there to make the, the right decisions for the school. Because clearly I think this group was jaded and those who weren't jaded weren't speaking up. They were all burned out and done with. So I'm glad this, I'm glad they're all stepping down. Yeah. And I guess the big problem was that the school superintendent was on and he didn't say anything. And so there was, uh, oh, I, I hadn't heard I, from that. what I understand though, that he hasn't stepped down. At least that's the last thing that I read. So, Oh, well, maybe if he was on there and he didn't say anything, maybe he should too. That's that goes to leadership. That's a now we've got my real attention to the matter. That's scary. That's yeah, really poor, scary. poor leadership all the way around. Yeah. Um, you know, so anyhow, all the way. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure you've seen pictures of this uh, United Airlines flight that uh, so blew, the... blew the engine off. Yeah, I was actually going to have a conversation with you about this because I did see some of the video and. Wow. What, what happened? How did that happen? You're a propulsion expert. What's going on with this? And yeah, so for, for, those, for the non-aviation folks out there, propulsion is power plant, which is engine, correct? This is powering the plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's kind of my stick is, uh, is, you know, putting engines on airplanes. I mean, in my career, I joke that I make the airplanes heavy, loud and expensive uh, <laughs> by, by putting the engines on them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so basically what happened is we had an uncontained failure of one of the blades or several of the blades. Um, big pieces flew off. They, you know, basically came back and landed safely at the airport. So, um, yeah. you know, the airplane did exactly what it, what it was supposed to do. And, uh, unfortunately, big pieces of this plane landed on houses and, and in fields. Uh, fortunately, though, nobody was hurt. Um, so that was really pretty awesome. Uh, but there are lots of interesting pictures of pieces of the airplane laying in ball fields yeah. and, and on houses and things like that. So, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, this stuff happens, it, it shouldn't, but, uh, you know, it does the, the, they're very rare. Um, but you know, it could have been that there was a crack in the blade and then eventually it just failed. Um, so it's not like there's any big negligence on, on, you know, right. anybody's part here. Um, you know, occasionally birds fly into the, to the engines and, and stop them up and, you know, prevent them from continuing to operate. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that was the problem with the miracle on the Hudson. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, these things do happen. It's, it's incredibly rare, uh, but it does happen. Uh, but you know, at, at the end of the day, that's why airliners have more than one engine and, uh, they were able to use the other engine to, to fly back and really make a pretty normal landing. So, um, you know, if you're worried about flying out there, there's lots of thought that has gone into making these things as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Yep. Keep, keep to the air. Keep and to for the you, air. So just I, speaking of being in the air here. Uh, so just for you, I put this on here cause I need that you, you would love this. Uh, did you see, uh, this story about Ted Cruz and, uh, going to, was it Cancun or wherever he went? I've seen some memes. I didn't know what sparked the memes. So clearly this is where they they sourced from. What is going on with this? 
Yeah, so Ted Ted decided to. I guess um, from what I gather, um, you know, either I'm not sure if Ted decided or his wife decided, but they ended up taking a family vacation um, out of country when the Texas had that cold snap and people got wind of it and got really pissed. And he basically came back the next day um, and his wife stayed down there and, and he's mad because some paparazzi took pictures of her in her bikini and said it was kind of creepy. And then also somebody from United airlines uh, leaked uh, their um, you know information. So yeah. basically, you know, he was telling everybody, Oh, well, you know, I just went down for a day and came back and the, United Airlines person that leaked it, which way they weren't supposed to, said, no, actually he had scheduled a trip for like three or four days. And then last minute, once he got down there, he rescheduled to come back the next day, um, basically when this political stuff started to come out. So uh, United Airlines, I guess, is, is trying to figure out who leaked the information. Um, who knows if they're really doing a serious investigation or not, right. but, um, you know, it's just a big mess right now. And it's, uh, I mean, basically, you know, nobody has any privacy anymore. I mean, that's just how it is, what? I guess. Um, you know, it's, it's shouldn't be legal to release that information, but, uh, uh I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know either, but for Pete's sake, people who, who wouldn't leave Texas in a major massive freeze cold snap if you had the resources to do so. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah, like, I mean I I guess the big the big hubbub is that he's he's leaving be, in the middle of a basically a, a you know crisis. <laughs> you know, when they people were freezing to death in Texas. So I mean optically, you know, from optics is not a very good thing and probably wasn't the best timing to go on a family trip. Well, maybe but at the same time can how if, I mean, if he's trying to be effective, and there's several ways to look at it. I'm not going to argue it, but I just think it's interesting. It's like you could throw a rock at anybody and people are going to have something to argue about. It's like oh, yeah. grief. Yeah. I mean, in politics, there's, you know, there's always going to be that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I, it just goes to show you anymore that the media is expecting the Republicans to be perfect. And, you know, I'm sure if this was a Democrat, it wouldn't have gotten any airtime at all. No, probably not. They're not as interesting. Just the Republicans. That's it. Yeah, let, let's talk about something happier now. How's that? <laughs> what's so, happy? Give us what's happy. happy. So what let, let's look at this. So in Russia, they have blue dogs. So in second like thought, blue hounds, blue blue. What do they call those? Blue ticks, blue ticks. What do they call those dogs? Are like that uh, kind of dog blue? No, no. We're talking about actual blue dyed color fur dogs. Uh, there's what? some crazy pictures here. Uh, oh, let's see if I can pull wow. this up. Um, their actual fur is the color blue and these are, I guess, wild dogs in Russia. And, uh, apparently they are been found near a place that had uh, blue cobalt dye or something like that. They used to, to make some sort of industrial chemical uh. and now is abandoned. And they think these dogs have been eating or, you know, drinking whatever. And this, whatever's in the ground is causing their fur to turn blue. Um, what's interesting though, is the, of course, the vet um, says there's nothing wrong with them and that sort of thing. Now this is Russia, so it could be, you know, oh yes, comrade, there's nothing wrong with these dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a terrible impression. But uh, why you aren't can see they the, red then? Damn it! <laughs> but you can see in the pictures their fur, I mean, is actually blue in color. It's not yeah, not it a natural color. So, um, you know, but it's kind of interesting. But it, it does bring a uh, good conversation up that you know if you have industrial waste, you should definitely clean it up before you abandon it. Yeah, no joke. 
No joke. Holy crow. But they're kind of pretty looking. I mean, I, I don't want one, but yeah, I'll give them looking. that. I mean, it, it, they are very unique looking and pictures are worth checking out. Uh, if you go to the show notes and, uh, look, look for that link on there. They are, they're definitely uh, unique. <laughs> Indeed. Oh my goodness. So what's next? You got one well, more up here. Uh, I do. I got one more and this time we're going from dogs to cats and not, not really cats, <laughs> just a cat on the internet. <laughs> Who's not really a cat who calls himself Roaring Kitty. Yes, I'm talking about the GameStop guy. Calls himself the Roaring Kitty. Roaring Kitty, uh, I guess, on Reddit. And uh, so he is now being sued for securities fraud. Uh, Basically, the the folks that are, you know, the uh, that lost all the monies uh, in the GameStop thing when, you know, remember he. Got on Reddit, got a bunch of people to buy GameStop and uh, GameStop stock, uh, and the price went up crazy, um, caused big problems in the market. Now people at Lost Bunny are saying, "Oh, well, you shouldn't be able to do that, and we're going to sue you, and all this kind of stuff." So I guess that's to be expected, right? Right. But uh, yeah, so this guy's actual name is Keith Gill, um, and he was one of the leading voices. But his uh, Roaring so, Kitty, so he's Can known as Roaring Kitty. Um, and he actually had to go testify for all this and there's some pictures of that. And, uh, yeah. So anyhow, amazing. Um, are you ready to do a Patreon plug? So Let's we can pay do for it. Let's thing? ask for money. Good idea. <laughs> so, uh, if you can, uh, go to Patreon and, uh, we have a link in the show notes, uh, go visit Patreon and definitely support us there. And, uh, we would certainly appreciate that. We do have, uh, some, uh, different, uh, levels there. And, uh, mm-hmm. Terry, do you remember what those are? I know it's $3 for one level, 15 for the second tier. And I, and these are monthly. So $3 a month, $15 a month, and then a hundred dollars a month for like the executive. And that's where you get like time with you and I strategic planning and I, and brainstorming kind of, so there's little, there's little benefits from each one that include you and I, and we're pretty special, pretty awesome people. Our friends will tell you so even our, well, your parents would say so. My friends would say so, but yeah, that's what the, sign up, do something, help us out. We want to keep doing this. We got to keep doing this. This is our, so, yep, most people make money by making music. We make money by making talk. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. We have three levels here. The intern level is kind of our base level. It's just three bucks a month. I mean, you know, it's the cost of a, of a less than the cost of a fancy Starbucks coffee. We get you in the intern level. Let us support the show. Um, and you can click the join button there from the show notes. Uh, the next, uh, and that also gets you in on our discord channel. So we have a discord channel where you can chat with everybody from the show, uh, throughout the week. Then we have the manager level, which is 15 bucks a month, which gets you that discord level. Uh, plus it gets you access to uh, special con any special content that we put out. Um, and we'll also be doing meet and greets with other manager level, uh, folks. Uh, so you can meet some of the other folks from the podcast on a zoom call. Uh, we're going to do those uh, pretty regularly here once we get enough people going. Um, and then we have the executive level, which is $100 a month. Um, and that will get you not only the access to the Discord and the special content uh, and the manager uh, level meetings, uh, the Zoom meetings, but it will get you a uh, strategy call with Tara and I for a one-on-one strategy call um, every month. So uh, great, great uh, level there if you can, if you want to join on that. Uh, but yeah, that's, so that's our Patreon. It's really easy to, uh, to be able to support the show. Just go there, click the link, 
put your credit card number in and it just happens automatically. So uh, we would appreciate it if you could uh, support the show for us. And uh, with that, we're going to go on to the, uh, we're going to do the career workout. Career workout. It's time to work that career and lift and push and lift and push. You got it. Now harder, lift and push. It's the career workout. All right, so in the career workout here, we've got a, a article that is uh, understand your role at work. So what's that all about, Tara? So I had somebody recently ask me about um, they're in a transition mode with their work. They're trying to figure out some new skills. And I told them that, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're in a, a job where you're paid salary or hourly, you are expected to kind of build on those skills. And that can mean research. It means learning new different um, tips and tricks. It means learning a new set of skills, whatever that may entail. So in talking with this person, I told them they're kind of doing a freelance thing with their skills. And I told them, as you're learning new skills, you should be charging for that. And a lot of people don't realize we kind of got into a conversation. A lot of people don't realize that part of your role is not knowing every single thing about your role but it's understanding the idea that you know how to research your industry. You know who to find the best and newest information. You know who, where to go to to get the latest and greatest news. And this was kind of a new concept that um, this individual and I were talking about because it's kind of like, well, you don't realize that when you're hired for something, you're, you're hired because you're capable, not necessarily because you can do it all. You're, you're able to go find the information. And so while this, this particular column does not go into research, this particular column, which is understand your role from leadonpurposeblog.com, talks about understanding your role. And I think a lot of us sign up for a role with our managers, not really, we read the job description, description rather, but we don't, we don't really understand the depth to which we can go to, to make our role in art. And that's really what you should be focusing on is trying to make your job in art so that you can enjoy it. And so and I, understanding your role can, it can be anything from talking to your manager, talking to your coworkers, or just kind of self-reflecting on a regular basis and getting really acquainted with what is the goal of your position? What is the overall purpose of your role within the team, within the organization? Because that particular position that you fill it plays a part in the ultimate goals of the organization. So you kind of figure out how you play into that, how your skill set can build into those things, and then produce accordingly. And sometimes that means learning something new. And so with the individual that I'm working with, they are in a specific industry. So they're having to learn some new stuff. And because they're transitioning, they're having to do it on their own. And so that means really having some initiative, some self-discipline and self-management to get to that next step. Because sometimes when you have to research stuff, and I know I'm in a role where I don't know what it is I'm doing exactly. So I'm researching a lot and it feels kind of um, devaluing or it feels like you're doing the wrong thing when you have to tell your boss, I don't know exactly what that means. I need to, I've spent a lot of time researching it. But what what is on the other side of that, what you guys, what you don't really realize, I guess I'm trying to say, is that when you tell your boss you're researching something, it tells them that you are going the extra mile. You're trying to get in deeper. You're trying to develop that understanding so you can be productive, so you can provide the results, so you can get to the goal. And so that's really um, pivotal in developing your career and getting to that next step and just learning different skills and trades that 
maybe can take you further down your career path and even take you to something different you didn't realize you were um, you had a niche for. So that's what this article, I mean, it's a much shorter article than that. I definitely spoke more than the article did, but in, in short, that's really what it's about. Yeah, I think that's really important to, uh, to sort of know uh, what your role is and, and maybe uh, prepare for the next one, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, certainly uh, you can do a lot of damage if you're, you're acting outside of your role, uh, but sometimes that's necessary too. So I, I think it's, uh, a, it's really highly dependent on situation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I more more than ever is. So yeah, just take it into context and see how you can go those those extra steps. I keep hitting my microphone. It seems too close, but it's not. But yes, that's what that's what that's about. That is what that's going on with that. Know your role, understand your role, deepen your role. Make an art of your role. Awesome. Well, let's go on and <laughs> do the career fail. If I can find it. <laughs> Career fail of the week. All right. So career fail of the week here. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, first of all, before we get into this, I'm going to challenge you. Next week's <laughs> career fail cannot be Cuomo, cannot be Fauci, cannot be Trump, <gasps> cannot be Biden, cannot be AOC, and it cannot be, um, uh, you know, uh, Harris. You're cutting me off at the knees here. Too no late. I had this one you. picked out. Going forward, okay, I'll take that challenge going forward, but I deserve this one because this this dude has flip-flop more than a flip-flop will flip on a pair of feet. Like, this has been... You remember Ross Perot? Do you remember that as kids where Ross Perot, I'm running for president. I'm not running for president. I'm running for president. I'm not... You remember that? This is like uh, this. I do. This is a, yes, I remember that very vividly as a child. So Fauci is uh, basically... Um, he's a form of... Um, He's a scientist. He's a, he's a doctor. And I don't remember the specific area of science that he's in. Infectious diseases is where he's, he's, well, he's the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Um, he's the director there. And um, he has gained a lot of media coverage for his mixed messages, flip-flopping, inconsistencies, talking out of both sides of his mouth, however you want to describe it. But he has, he's a great example of, God, how do you even say this? He is a really great example of why you take a stance, why you stick to it, and why you know your why. And if you change your stance, which is perfectly fine to change, because even Obama did during his time in office, if you change your stance, you know your why to changing it. And Fauci is a scientist. He is a medical scientist. This has been put out there multiple times. He's an expert in his field, but he's only an expert in his particular field. And so some of the things I have been seeing on more than one outlooks, I had to research this one a little bit more in depth, is that while he's an expert in this field, it seems as though he is not maybe collaborating with experts in other fields of interest in regards to the pandemic. And so he has gone from um, in March 2020, where he said, masks are not important. Nobody should be wearing masks. There's no reason to walk around with a mask. To a few months later, he's like, everybody should be wearing a mask. No doubt about it. And then mask and six feet of distance. And then mask, social distancing and vaccination. And now, you know, everybody was saying that the vaccinations are going to solve the problem. And now Fauci's saying, uh, actually, they won't. You still got to be careful. You still have to keep your distance. You still have to wear masks. 
because you can still, while you're protected from the virus, you can still spread the virus and that's what the masks are for. And so just all these different stances come out. And when you have these multiple perspectives, when you have these multiple avenues of information, it really hurts your trust in people or it hurts the trust people have in you. Um, and you get discredited and you're only discrediting yourself. And so I think with Fauci, um, I have followed him very closely and it's so hard to get on team Fauci. It, it really, I've tried, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And it's just like, dude, stick to one story, stick to one story. Say, I don't believe in masks, but if you want to wear one, wear it. If it makes you feel better, the psychology behind this says it's going to be better for you, but he's not doing that. He is, um, what he's saying and what he's doing, I don't think are matching up very well. So he's unfortunately a really great example of how to not lead when it comes to being an expert in a field and not look to collaborate with other experts. He's definitely um, setting the standard for this. And it's just, so, it's so hard, so hard. So yeah, flip flop Fauci definitely made my top career fail this week. Yeah. I mean, for somebody that has made a career in the sciences, um, you know, with science, there's, you know, what we know now, and then we learn more and we maybe have a different right. perspective um, once we learn some more, but you know, when you do an experiment, you are trying to prove something, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and I think he has given a lot of opinion uh, over, um, you know, actual research. And so, because, you know, his opinions have changed radically faster than the research on this stuff, I think has changed. And so yeah. um, at, at this point, I really question anything that he says. I mean, is it, yep. is he just telling everybody what, what they want to hear or, you know, I mean, what's the deal, dude? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, what, what's I, the real I science? I mean, at, at this I, point, if, if he's going to make a statement about something and he almost needs to, you know, give us the sheet with the reference on it with, with all of the articles that he's, you know, quoting from, because I, yeah. I've, I've lost, he's lost credibility in my eyes because he's changed his mind so fast. Right. And that's where I'm at too. Before I was on board with him because he, he seemed to have, confidence. He seemed to be sure of himself. He seemed to know what he's talking about. And then it just seemed like, like, and this is the popular trending term, the goalpost has been moved and been moved. And now if you have the vaccine, if other members of your family don't have it, you shouldn't be near them. But if they, everybody's had it, you should still wear masks. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. That's not the way the vaccine works with the flu, Dr. Fauci. So why, what? Oh, I quit. And yeah, so I mean, it, it, he's, he's just, I he's, mean, it's just like eggs, right? Eggs are good, eggs are bad, eggs are good, eggs are bad, bacon's good, bacon's bad. I mean, you know, come on, just make your freaking mind up. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> viruses in moderation are good. How about that? Can we just go with that and just just move on? But no, so this is, he's, and I'm not saying that Fauci's bad. What I'm saying is that when you keep flipping around your messages, when you don't stand by your statement, this is something I tell my kids all the time. I'll make a statement, they'll challenge me on it, and I'll be like, mm good challenge, but I stand by my statement anyway. And not because I'm a parent, it's because I still have validity to my original statement. And I'm, but I'm happy to grow and expand upon it. And that's not what's happening with Fauci. He's not saying this. He has counter um, some of the statements that Harris has said, VP Harris, he has countered other medical professionals. And so he just doesn't look like either he knows what he's talking about or he looks really political. Um, you got to be very careful when you change your mind as often as this. So um, 
yeah, flip flop Fauci is a, a definite good example of what not to do with yourself as an expert. Yep. As we say back home, pick a lane, dude. Just pick a lane. <laughs> Doesn't matter which one, just pick a lane. Just pick a lane. Either way, <laughs> stay in the lines. Stay we don't, your, stay we don't have too lane. many eight lane highways in Kansas, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you do. You do eight on the East lane. Coast. Oh, my word. Oh, my gosh. What about the IT corner? Do we have time? We do have time. Let's do the IT corner. Let's talk tech. You're in the IT corner. So I picked up a, a new piece of kit last night, uh, and I'll bring it up here. This is the Mevo Start all-in-one wireless live streaming camera and webcam, live stream in 1080p, HD, and remote control with dedicated iOS and Android app. Say that um, so three times fast right now. That is the that is the title on Amazon, of course. It's just called the Mevo Start. And uh, what this is is a little camera. And, uh, you know, it's basically this, like, you know, if you remember what the size of a pack of cigarettes was, it's a little bit smaller than that. Uh, mm -hmm. But it has the ability to be a webcam or um, also to do live streaming. Um, so I, I got this thinking that, you know, we would be doing some on-location streaming at some point. Um, and this allows us to basically use one camera and have multiple views because you can zoom in to different areas. Um, not really sure if I'm going to keep it at this point. I'm not terribly impressed with it. Um, and it was kind of expensive. It's almost $400. And so it's a lot. Of, that's a lot of money for, uh, I think, what you got here. I think it fits a good niche uh, for some people. Uh, it's going to have some good, good uses. I think if you're doing some sports stuff, uh, things like that, it might be worth having because it's really compact and it's really... Uh, works off your phone and so you know you don't need to bring a lot of stuff to use it um, and it can record to an sd card on it as well uh, and so wow. you know i think it definitely has its uses i'm not really sure if it's for me yet um, but so far it's it's uh, you know it's built well it's solid the image that comes off of it is it's, it's okay for a 400 dollars camera um, this of course is not as nice as the other cameras that I have or camera it's, that I have. It's okay uh, for $400. Yeah. But, uh, here it is again, the Mevo start all in one. Uh, and so, you know, you basically just throw this thing up on a tripod and then get your phone out and you can start recording. It's got really good microphones on it. Um, so, you know, I think it, it, it definitely has its place. Uh, I just kind of haven't figured out if it's places with me yet. <laughs> Well, we hopefully you'll figure out soon enough and either trade it out or keep it. We time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. You ready to do media madness? Yeah, but I'm mad at you because you stole one of mine. <laughs> Welcome to Media Madness. You're mad at me, huh? All right, all right, all right. I am, because I have this book in my hand right now. Looking at the camera, I've been dying to read this book because I am a big Matthew McConaughey fan. I am. I even dated a dude in high school that had his smile. Like, I'm that into him. But I've been dying to read this book, and you, I was going to preview it on here, and you stole it from me. Well, you, you can preview it when it, you know once you've read the book. But I will tell you, I think reading the book is a waste of time because <gasps> I... It, it definitely. No. You, I, you, everybody's gonna see your face right now. Total waste of time to read the book. No. Tell me that. I've heard a great thing. No, you can't. You're shattering my dreams. Don't <laughs> oh, do this that. Is so good. However, I will say it is worth listening to it on Audible. You jackrabbit. So you don't have it in person. You audioed this. You. 
You set me up for failure. That is what you just did. You got to admit, that was a pretty good setup. That was a jackrabbit thing to do. And that's not the words I, you and I will have words after the show, buddy. (laughs) You just wait. No, so far it's fantastic on Audible. I mean, it is. You knew it would be. It's a good. So you ever see Wolf of Wall Street where where Matthew McConaughey was in with. Remember that one scene where he was in that restaurant there? Yes. He was he was in the restaurant and he starts getting loud and he's like beating on his chest, you know, yes. and he's doing this crazy thing. I mean, the whole book is like that. I, it's oh, it's awesome. awesome. I it, can't wait to read it. It's literally, you know, him kind of telling stories about his life and he's kind of going through, you know, all these shenanigans that he's done and, you know, uh, trips that he's taken and things like that. And, and so far it's kind of like, it's, it literally feels like you're sitting there having a beer with Matthew McConaughey. It's freaking awesome. Uh, I am excited. I think definitely one of the ones that I'll probably listen to again on a road trip, you know, when I can just listen to it all together instead of in pieces. Uh, but so far (sighs) I've really been enjoying it. Just, just listening to it, you know, here and there. And, and I've been listening to it on the Amazon echo on the, on the little echo thingy. And, uh, so it's been kind (laughs) of nice to (laughs) the lady in the little flat tube. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it's been nice to, uh, kind of, you know, just get in five or 10 minutes here and there when I have a minute. So, uh, so far it's a fantastic book. I'm only about halfway done with it. Uh, so still a little bit more to come, but, uh, definitely don't waste money on the book. I would definitely buy the audio book because it is narrated by him. Hey, Uh, that's what I mean. My question, did he, can you hear him? God dang it. Oh, I'm not, I'm going to kill you. That's what I'm going to do. You and I have words. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm sure you'll put that on my tab, but uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing is narrated by him, and and uh, I mean he does it only like he could do it. If they had somebody else narrate this, it'd be it'd be garbage, because I mean <laughs> right. he, you know it, it, he just brings life to it. So, oh my goodness, that's awesome. That is, oh, I'm so excited to read it now. God dang it, you stole it. All right, so my pick this week was Social Media Explained. As I've said several times before, I am now a teacher, not quite officially because my classes haven't started yet, but I'm not teaching just one. No, no, I'm teaching three classes starting next month and they'll last eight weeks. So I'm kind of stoked about it. Um, this, uh, the class that I am teaching that this book is associated with is a social media uh, personal branding course. And this book was pretty outstanding, though it is driven towards social media. It's, it's written by Mark. W. Schaefer. And I know I have it. Here it is actually right here. We can see it now live. Um, I have you actually. You just have all the books, this, don't you? Huh? You just have all the books, don't you? I, I mean, I feel bad because my books are still in boxes. I haven't even gotten them out yet. I feel, <laughs> I feel illiterate. This is one of the first things I had to unpack because I am such a book nerd. I love my books, especially the ones I really, really enjoy. Uh, but this book, it really literally talks about how to get your business started on social media. And um, I have failed a few times. I'm the social media manager for Biz and Mayhem and, and a couple other things that I try to do. And so I'm still learning is trying to, trying to implement this stuff. But the, the information in this book can go beyond social media. You can take it into your personal life, into your professional life. Because the overwhelming thing is something that my boss, um, I'll call him, well, I'm not going to call him Joel. His name is Joel, but I won't say his last name. What my former boss Joel used to tell me is moderate pressure applied consistently will get the results you're looking for. And this is the exact same thing that this book talks about. And it goes into how to use the different social media platforms, why, which, the, the why, the how, the whole um, meat and potatoes to every social media platform. He's a big proponent of it. He's written several books. Um, 
Known was a book that I had um, showcased on the show before. And then there's this one. I've actually talked with this author. So it's really a neat experience when you've read a book, if you can go back and talk with the author. And I've done that with a few of the books I've read. And he is just cool. He's down to earth. He doesn't let this kind of, um, he's really well known. And he doesn't let that go to his head. And so um, I saw him on a webinar. I got to talk to him one-to-one on that webinar. And then get this, he's following me on my Twitter account. Oh, that's awesome. Is that not the coolest thing? I just, I followed him and I just did a Twitter, twit, whatever the hell you call that thing. I just sent a message to him on Twitter um, openly. I, th- I guess it's called a tweet. I tweeted him and he messaged me back. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Cause Mark Manson, another one of my favorite authors has done that. But the dude followed me back. Like how cool is that? And so um, it's just, I recommend this book and his other book and I'm going to read his new one that's coming out. Um, he's just a really, he, he writes like Matthew McConaughey and I would imagine some of the other folks like him, Morgan Freeman, who you feel like you're having the conversation with and like you're really engaged and that's my form of writing too. So definitely appealing, a lot of great use, a lot of great benefit from it. So highly recommend it. I'll be reading it with my students um, starting in March when we um, do the class. I think it's going to be awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's uh, definitely one I'm going to have to borrow from you when you get done with it. And uh yeah, I mean, social media is all about, you know, just kind of keep putting it out there because there's a lot of noise and it takes a lot to, to sort of cut through the noise. Yeah, yeah, it does. And you got to just be patient. Just keep going. when you If you want it, persevere. Just don't give up. That's the whole point of it. But read the book anyway. There's a lot of great stuff in there I'm missing. So. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So you ready to wrap it up here? Let everybody go home? Yeah, yeah, Think we've about, held them hostage long enough. We, this has been a long show. <laughs> it has been, but it's a great show. And and because it's been such a long show, it's been a great show. We really appreciate you guys all for sticking with us and listening to this episode of the Biz and Mayhem podcast. If you like this episode, please show us a little love. Go back to Patreon. Give us some cash that way. Um, check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review there. Um, we'll love you forever because this is really it's it takes a lot to put these things together Chris puts in an enormous amount of time I try here and there but Chris is really doing all the the back office work and so uh, we need to show him some love and we need to keep going we enjoy doing this for you guys you want to get the show notes and the links to all of the um, different articles and websites that we use for the show head over to bizandmayhem.com and look for season two episode 28 You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, guys. And until next time, have some fun in the mayhem. Chris, have a great night. Thanks, Terry. You too. Good night, guys. The Biz and Mayhem podcast is produced by Check 6 Creative Studio. If you have a podcast or have been wanting to start one, let us know. We'd love to help you produce and edit your podcast. We'd also love to work with your business on marketing and video production. Visit us on the web at check6studio.com. That's C-H-E-C-K-S-I-X-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. Let us know you heard about us on the Biz and Mayhem podcast.